You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 748 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening. And joining me this evening to talk about a number of subjects, I will say, is Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and Sports Illustrated. Hello, sir. How you doing, Brad? I'm all right. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different on today's podcast. We are going to talk about some Hawk stuff. Uh, Zach works with me at Peachtree Hoops. and uh, But later in the show, we're going to pivot to some NFL draft. I normally don't do anything that's non-basketball related, but... Considering the NFL draft is the, I would say by far the biggest sporting event that's happening during the pandemic, and I'm interested in it. I will uh, talk to Zach about it, who covers the Falcons regularly. So if you hate the, if you hate the Falcons or the NFL, feel free to log off at the end. I, w- I won't blame you, but uh, we are going to talk about some Hawk stuff here at the front. So, um, Zach, I'm going to ask you sort of a broad question to start with uh, on the Hawks here. If I, if I asked you for a takeaway or two from the Hawks season um however in what for whatever, whatever form it actually is i think we're all assuming it's probably over at this point even though it's not definitely over but um what are what what would be a takeaway or two that you had uh, from this season so far well obviously the result isn't you know what they wanted maybe what some people like Schlink kind of said they projected around 30 wins so maybe it wasn't like a surprise but I think Collins honestly becoming like such an offensive threat, even if it's not like a traditional score, like the way he's getting the points, just his efficiency, whether they decide he's not a fit on the team or not. I just think like that was a really big development, him kind of actually becoming like a second tier type of like star, not like a superstar, you know, but like he's going to ask for the max and like he'll probably get a, a pretty big offer. So him, that's like a big deal to me because Trey and him seem to have a chemistry. And I'd say another thing would be Reddish, obviously, at the end. But I don't know. Do you, <laughs> you agree? Lo- you love you- Trey Reddish. I know that much. I-, I do, but it's became like a thing at this point where it's like it's almost talked about too much. Like, because there's always like a chance that, you know, when games start back, that he, find- he struggles to find his rhythm again. Like, I don't think it's like quite as concrete as it's almost became on Twitter that he's or wherever you talk about basketball that he's like definitely like this great shooter but he's definitely also not the guy he was in October so I don't know I wouldn't say that's like the main takeaway just because anything with a rookie is so uncertain but I don't know did you you agree that Collins kind of like elevated Oh yeah, big time. I mean, we I talked about this a lot on uh, on Monday with Tower Jones. We went very long on Collins, which is kind of funny. I got some funny responses to that, and uh, Tower's the best. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, Collins. Even though there's this, I think there's this national consensus that um, Collins just kind of has always been similar to what he has been, and just ended up playing more minutes in the last year and a half or so. But honestly, if you watch him th- this year, was a different player. I mean, he he was fantastic. 
offensively and even defensively was much better. So yeah, I think that's probably, you know, Trey making the leap is the most important thing that happened, but I think everybody kind of knows that already. So Collins being uh, to your point, like jumping into like being that, that legitimate, you know, concrete number two kind of guy is probably the most important thing. And then the rookies coming along, like Cam certainly had the highest highs of any of the rookie of of, of the two rookies. Well, I guess three rookies, if you count Bruno um, playing at the end of the year. So, you know, and I, I tend to agree with you. Like we've all talked about Cam's ascent um, kind of ad nauseum at this point, but it is worth pointing out, especially for people that aren't dotted on the Hawks every single day that, you know, in case people didn't notice this, Cam Reddish was actually quite good from, you know, mid to late December on. Um, and the, and his season long, his season long numbers still look not that great because of the uh, fact that he was so bad at the beginning. But if you watch him closely, he clearly was a different player. Yeah, for sure. And the thing with Trey is like, he, he honestly started his ascension like last season. Like he had that stretch where like, yeah, but like every, he was insane. And then everybody was like, well, he's not going to be able to do that for a whole season. And then he kind of like did it for a whole season. So I, I think his like him and Collins both elevating, it just puts the organization in like a, a situation where, you know, they were like that day uh, in March, it was like one of the last practices before the COVID shutdown. They were all talking about the playoffs already, you know, with six weeks left in this season, they were already talking about next season and what they want to do. And I think without both of those players doing what they did, there would be like less of that and less pressure to do anything, you know, even close to that. Yeah, I'll spin this forward because you brought that up. You brought up the playoff discussions that uh, I think Lloyd Pierce kind of pushed to the forefront, honestly, with some of the comments that he made. Um, but that was going to sort of feed into what I was going to ask you about looking ahead a little bit. Like, this is also kind of broad. We can narrow down a little bit from here. Um, what should the Hawks be looking to do this summer? Because obviously everybody knows they have their top seven or eight pick. They have all this cap space, um, but it's a bad free agent class, et cetera, et cetera. Everything, everything that everyone already knows. If they are trying to make the playoffs, like what's the best way to do that while also being responsible and not like going all in on a team that's not going to make a lot of sense this year? Does that make sense? Like just the way that yeah. what's what's their building method now, in your opinion? You know, I think like you said, I mean there really isn't anyone out there that's going to tempt them to give a crazy long-term deal. So just don't give it to someone who doesn't like that. You wouldn't normally give it to. So if someone like Joe Harris ends up getting a really competitive market, maybe you just don't get Joe Harris. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be acting like one of these teams on the cusp. That's like willing to go into the tax and like maybe regret this, like the J.R. Smith with the Cavs. Like you just like, you knew that probably wasn't going to end well, but the Cavs didn't care. They were just trying to win again. I don't think they need to make decisions like that, obviously. Like, they don't need to just be like, yeah, we'll give Joe Harris, like, four years, like, $80 million, just because there's no one else to spend it on. If they give him two years and overpay him, that might actually make a lot of sense. You know, he might take a two-year deal here over a better, a more longer offer. But I think stuff like that, I mean, overpaying on short-term deals is probably, like – you know, where I would be like if I were Schlink. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, and especially if they could. Um, this is not always practical, um, but we've seen it like with JJ Redick and other people. Like maybe if they do like a one year balloon offer with, with some non guaranteed second year stuff, because that way, if they wanted to pivot and get back into the free agent market, 
next summer and they would be able to do that. It's not always easy to do um, because if the guys are pretty good, they probably don't want to take one year deals unless you're like va- you know vastly overpaying. But maybe you get into a situation where you look at your cap sheet on you know the tenth day of free agency, you realize that you know maybe it's worth a one year you know balloon payment to someone to help you get better now that you don't want on the roster long term. I don't know who that guy is, but maybe a little bit older guy, somebody who's available that you like that you might overpay with like a one year eighteen million dollar deal where that that guy might might have offers in the two for twenty range. But you might want to you might want to value that that really really short term viewpoint and uh, overpay just because you don't want to screw your stuff up long term, which is kind of what we're both saying in different ways. You can't you can't afford to overpay because while the while the Hawks have a ton of cap space now and they will have some next summer again, once Trey Young starts getting paid and once John Collins starts getting paid, you start getting a situation where you you can't afford to be overpaying role players because then you're talking about you know, exorbitant tax payments and stuff like that, which I don't think the Hawks want to get into unless they are winning at a very, very, very high level. So just being responsible now, even if it seems weird to talk about responsible payments in a year where you have $49 million in cap space, they do have to be somewhat smart about what they actually give out here. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they don't want to, that's obviously a huge consequence of giving anyone a long-term deal is you're going to be paying Trey and possibly Collins as well. When, a lot of money when that deal is still going on but just pulled up earlybirdrights.com and uh, someone that might make sense like someone like paul Millsap is 35 uh he's gonna be a free agent i mean that's kind of the type of guy they need like someone besides trey who can kind of get a basket i don't know what his plans are but if they wanted if they wanted to give paul that one-year balloon payment i would be uh Excited for that on, on, a, on a number of levels. I love Paul anyway. Yeah, that's but, what I'm uh, saying. Like, obviously, we have, like, non-basketball reasons, but... <laughs> it works on the court, too. I mean, he I wouldn't know, necessarily like, be starting anymore here because John Collins is better than Paul Millsap in right. 2020. But Millsap and Collins together would be a lot of fun. Um, he like sure. def- I'm pretty sure he still has a house here, and he, like, went to Kennesaw State. So, like, I just... I don't know. Like, I just feel like Atlanta's always, like, if the offer was competitive, I just feel like he would think about it. But yeah, an, old, an older guy like that, that would be not necessarily your, your priority one in free agency. But if you, again, if you look up after you know a week or two of free agency and you haven't gotten that um, piece that you were maybe looking at at a long term deal, you know, it does make some sense because, you know, you, you have to spend some of that money. I know it, there's kind of this fallacy that you have to spend all this money, that, but there is a salary cap floor. Um, and if you if it, if it came down to a one year deal for someone who, who's actually good versus not spending at all, like that's probably a good idea to just kind of assign some money to someone who will help you now. Because for better or worse, they did put some pressure on themselves to make the playoffs with the stuff that Lloyd was saying and the way that just like, you know, naturally, you know, year four, year five of a rebuild, you have to start winning games, which is kind of the reality. Yeah, I mean, you have someone starting the All-Star game and then you have another guy who's asking for the max like that team doesn't miss the playoffs in the east if that's like legitimate so yeah that, that's just the reality like lloyd basically just said like i mean most people might not have said it but it was like he was just aware of the reality he was going to be in like three or four months before he was in it so nothing obscene about any of those statements no um I don't know. Van Fleet is the one that's been, you know, kind of tossed around by you and other people. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like Toronto's going to be pretty competitive trying to get him back, especially with Lowry being, you know, not young. 
Well, yeah, I think I I talked about that really early in the year before we kind of all realized that Toronto was awesome still this year. Um, I, I think people saw them, and myself included, I was wrong about them. I thought it was going to be a situation where they were pretty good at full strength, but probably looking to maybe even unload during the season. They were obviously much better than that, and I think if they want to keep it rolling, Van Vliet was also very good <laughs> this year. So, yeah, he's a guy I've mentioned before. He's not a perfect fit. Um, because he is kind of small, but he is stocky and, and strong. He could shoot all that stuff. I think he would definitely work. I do think that it would cost probably more than the Hawks want to pay or should pay, which is okay. I mean, there's a couple guys like that that are on the market where like they might fit, but not perfectly. And you know, eventually the Hawks are going to spend some money. But Van Vliet might be getting, I don't even. I mean, he might be getting a pile of money from Toronto at the end of the day. I have no idea. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I feel like like he's a Toronto guy at this point. Like he went, he just won a championship. Like I, just, it's gonna have to be just like disrespectful. I feel like for him to actually, <laughs> for him to leave. Like yeah, I mean, it would, ha- it would have to be a like, team to come to paying. Atlanta. Yeah, I was gonna say exactly what I was gonna say. It would have to be a team that was gonna give him the reins as like the guy in the backcourt. And I don't think the Hawks are gonna obviously not gonna do that. But they're not gonna pay him as much as a team. Like maybe like the Knicks get stupid and the Knicks decide to give him like a hundred million dollars. Like that wouldn't stun me. It would be weird, but then you could see him walking away from Toronto for, for that. But the Hawks aren't going to do that. So they're sort of in a situation where there's a few guys in the market where the Hawks might make some sense, but not enough sense to be the number one bidder. If that makes sense, I don't know. Right. Most yeah, probably just, on that same level. By the way, it's just hard. Thing. It's just hard to see the number. I mean, Van Fleet's probably going to be the number one guard on the market, and. It's just it would be kind of surprising to see the number one guard on the market go play with Trey Young. It's just not, you know, like Van Fleet might not be like an All Star All Star, but I mean I don't know. There's some probably some GMs who would hesitate to pass up on him. Over, I mean he know, he he is the, he is the best guard. I mean he's the best unless you are counting maybe Bogdanovich as a guard, but he's more of a wing, obviously. Um, yeah, Van Vliet is pretty clearly the best guard on the market. Like, the other guys that would be in the discussion, I don't even know who they would be. Like, Gordon Dragic, who Van Vliet's a lot better than at this point. I'm so, pretty sure Mike Conley's going to take his player option. So. Yes, he is going to do that. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, free agency is, like, obviously one way they can they can do this. But, you know, the trades, we can't like, talk about specific trades just because it's so hard to do that. And I kind of try not to do that. But that's also an option, too. I think people always – not that you do this, but I think people, they equate free agency and cap space with having to sign players that are free agents. And that's not always the case. The Hawks certainly could make a trade for a player that makes a bunch of money this season. Um, that would not surprise me. Whether that player is like a star level player is something different. Um, but even then, you, you could be going out and trying to find someone who maybe is like appropriately paid, but isn't a, isn't a guy that's like long for his current situation. And maybe you take on some money to do that. Like there's no reason they have a ton of flexibility is basically what I'm saying. It's not, it's not only to sign players. There's, there's, there are trade possibilities, including with the draft pick, because at the end of the day, um, talked about what we talked about earlier with the, with the, the possibility of trying to make the playoffs. It's very unlikely to me that whoever they draft in the top, even in the top seven or eight is going to actually help them make the playoffs next year. Cause rookies are bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who, I don't know what rookie is like ready to actually like do something. I mean, I mean, none of them. Honestly, there there are some of, there are some of them that are better than others right away. But even the guys who you think would be pretty good 
compared to rookies right away. I wouldn't bet on any of them actually helping a team, uh, like literally helping a team as a rookie. I know. I was going to say like a Kongwu. I feel like I would, if someone said not who's going to be the rookie of the year, but who's going to, if, if, you know, it was like a safety bet, like who's the safest rookie to have a decent season. I might say a Kongwu, but at the end of the day, like you just don't know with a big, he could be completely lost. He could not, he could not be able to hang on the court on a number of levels. So he would also be my pick, by the way. Um, and yeah. in, in Atlanta, that wouldn't be that wouldn't make a lot of sense because they just don't have that much room for him. Um, right. I think, but I, I agree with your overall point. Like even even with the Kongu, who I who I would also choose for this to say, you know, listen, pick one guy that's going to not be bad as a rookie when compared to other NBA players. I think he might be the good choice. But even then, that's probably like in a in a backup center way as a rookie. Like yeah, it's not yeah. like that's going to make a huge impact. No, yeah, it was more just about how risky the other guys are. Like, I don't – and most of the other guys at the top of the board are not the best fit with Trey Young. Like, LaMelo Ball, first of all, he's probably not going to be good at first. Second of all – I would be surprised if he was good. (laughs) It's going to be a bad, like, time for him to try to find his way in the NBA while he has a point guard playing his position with a 35% usage rate. Like, that's going to be pretty tough, so – I don't know. If it's someone who doesn't need the ball, it's going to be a lot easier. Like a Coro or someone who can just kind of like not worry about getting their numbers. I could see them being less of a negative. But if it's someone like Edwards or Denny or some of these guys who are more offensive, like you're obviously just going to have to watch them struggle. And Yeah. I mean, even Edwards, I, I think Edwards is like the guy that everyone would want the Hawks to draft if they had a number one pick in the draft, which most people would. But even then, Edwards, even if you like Edwards, I'm not a huge guy of Edwards, but even if you liked Edwards, you could probably have to acknowledge that he's not going to be a good NBA player as a rookie. Like, that's not, that's, not, that's not even a shot at him. It's just that most rookies are not good, and I think this class being a little bit worse than normal makes that even a longer shot. You know, someone's going to be pretty good as a rookie. That's kind of how this always works. Um, whoever, you know, there'll be one or two guys who, who kind of blow up a little bit and perform well, like your, your Kendrick Nunn types, your even you know, Brandon Clark from this year that kind of player, there'll be a guy or two or three that become pretty good players as rookies, but betting on who that actually is, is tough. And honestly, that's not the only consideration. I mean, it's, it's kind of a different, different situation, but the Hawks have, you know, again, probably a top seven, top eight pick. And you have to balance, like, maybe you don't want to take a player because maybe you want to trade that pick for, for, for an established player. Maybe you want to trade down because if you're drafting at, you know, six or seven, the guy you're drafting is probably a role player for you. Um, even long term, but especially early on, and he's a role player that is going to be worse than your other role players. So you have to give that guy minutes because he's a he's a lottery pick. You have to play him, but he probably doesn't help you. So it's kind of this really interesting dichotomy to just decide what you want to do with that pick because again, there's no, I mean there there's some guys who have some upside in that range, but there probably isn't going to be a star that you're draft like an actual star that you're drafting at seven in this draft. I don't know if this offer will even exist, but kind of like what um, when Minnesota and Phoenix did that Sarich and yep. Cam Johnson and all that, um, if they could do something like that and move down and get like a Vassell or I don't know, just somebody that's more of like a, a Neesmith, like just a shooter, like somebody like that could not kill them. Um yeah, if, if, honestly, if that deal was available, and, that, and by the way, for people that don't remember this, um, Phoenix had the number six pick. They traded down um, with Minnesota and got 
um, got Darius Arch, and they got another lottery pick, a late lottery pick. If that deal was available in this draft, you take it. You take it instantly, in my opinion. Yeah. I liked it for them then. And by the way, I didn't like the Cam Johnson pick, but that, that isn't the point. Like, right. I'm just talking about value, value wise. Getting right. a, a, a rotation quality player like Sarich and only dropping down, you know, five, six, seven spots in the draft is something that if the Hawks were offered to do, especially if they were picking in that five, six, seven range, I would definitely do that. Uh, again, like, like you said, I'm not sure if it's going to be on the table this year. And honestly, they, all, they could decide because they have so many young players. They could decide to just move out of the draft entirely. That would not stun me by any means, just because they have a lot of guys who are young already. If they got a pretty good value in terms of a present day player and maybe a future pick, I think they might consider that too. And that wouldn't be a lot of fun for a lot of people like that are excited about the draft. But, um, you know, if they got a, like a starter, like, like a starting quality player for the sixth pick in the draft, that isn't the worst thing in the world to do right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If you don't get, this isn't the worst year to be upset if you don't get, like, the number one pick. I'll just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Because usually you're in a situation where you either draft, like, even if it's not a generational player, you know, and you take DeAndre Ayton when there are generational players on the board, even if you do that, (laughs) it's still, like, DeAndre Ayton is probably, like, a three and a half or four star asset. I mean, he's got team control and he might shoot like, he's still a good thing to have. So this year, oh, a, a would be the number one pick in this draft by a lot this year. I think like I, I think of a mellow ball as like a four star prospect, but that's far from consensus. And aside from that, I mean, I think most people feel like this is a draft of, you know, there might be a couple stars emerge, but overall this is a kind of really unpredictable Obviously, even more unpredictable with all the craziness going on right now. Maybe there'll be some kind of workouts if they ever end up finishing the season <laughs> and having, having the draft and all that. But I just feel like this is the year that, like, if you get the number one pick, it's like, yeah, this is exciting. But at the same time, you know, it's good, like a Markel Fultz, like his fourth year option is going to be like a lot of money. And I don't know, like it might not end that well. So. Getting no, the seventh, I, I, giving seventh or eighth pick might not be the worst thing. Like it might be like better. In the yeah, end. I, I think if you're picking one in this draft, um, it's. I I almost said I wouldn't want the number one pick as the Hawks. I I don't mean that, even though I kind of do. I think you want the number one pick, but for me, it would be I want the number one pick to trade it. <laughs> I wouldn't want the number one pick to actually draft someone if I was the Hawks. And I think I would take Edwards, and we'll talk about that more as we get closer. If you made me choose someone there, but. If, if the Hawks had the number one pick, I would put a for sale sign out on my front lawn and take offers for two months. That's what I would do. Um, just because I don't think there is a separation there. And I'm with you. I have Mellow number one. But given that he's a tough sell for Atlanta, um, it would there be that's even more reason to trade out of it, in my opinion. So we'll talk about that more as we get closer. And I, I, we're, I'm going to have you back to discuss the actual draftees in this, uh, in this uh, class later on because we have plenty of time right now. <laughs> But I think it's just good to like kind of start thinking about other options. Like there are a lot of discussions that will be had about players, um, both in free agency and in the draft, but like, you know, trades and just hypotheticals and what could be on the table for the Hawks, because, you know, it'd be nice to get some upside, but at the same time, if they, like we both said, if they fall in that five, six, seven range, you're basically deciding between guys who you think are going to be role players for you. And that's not a bad thing. I'm on the record always and saying, if you get a quality 
starter at six or seven in the draft, that's actually a good outcome, even if they're not a star. But you have to build in the risk with that too. You can't assume that even a guy that we like, like even if this is not really Hawks related, but even guys like guys like Vassell or or Kong, who I, who I think are actually pretty safe, they're not as safe as guys who we know are good around the league. So, you know, I'll have to oh yeah, help. for sure. I mean, especially if you could get someone on a one or two year deal. I mean, obviously you don't want to trade a, the seven pick for just someone on a one or two year deal, but that might be how you get the thirteenth pick back in the deal is taking a guy. Or take one year, you know, of a solid role player and get uh, still, even if it's not a lottery pick, this draft is, there's still going to be some like intriguing role player options around 15, oh, 16. There'll be, there'll so. be a team, there'll be a team or two. Cause it's just cause there always are. There'll be a team or two later on in the draft. That's, that's trying to move up. I know last year I was on record for months about how this is a very, about how, how it's a very clear trade down draft after the top two. Um, and he, you know the Hawks were the ones that traded up, and they weren't the only ones. Minnesota did, Minnesota did it too. There's always going to be teams, even if we all stand here and talk about how teams should trade down in this draft because it's pretty flat. Team, there's always going to be a team or two that want to trade up. That's just kind of the way that this that, that, that this works. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say something that I've said last year about this draft for the Hawks. If it's uh, you know a pick, I think trading down is better than up pretty much across the board in this draft. But we'll see what they do. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you would think they wouldn't want to trade up again after giving up capital, but yeah, trading up again would be would be very bad. I think uh, that's I'm gonna say that right now. Uh, almost, obviously, it's not this is not perfect because there could be a situation where it dictates it. But I would be very surprised if the Hawks traded up in this draft and I didn't kill him for it, just because of the way the, the way the, the way the class breaks, the players that are available, what the Hawks need, plus their kind of lack of extra capital now. You know, for the while they had all these extra picks, they don't really have extra picks anymore. They just they have their own picks, which is good, but they don't have this like war chest of first rounders to use to move up. So, yeah, I would uh, not love a trade up <laughs> in this class. Yeah, I mean, definitely in the lottery or anything. But if they traded back to like thirty five or something and got you know, oh, someone, sure. I, yeah, I wouldn't care. Just but... just like last year, I mean, with Bruno, like th- those kind of guys, uh, picks at the uh, picks in the thirties are available. Like, I think they actually are pretty valuable, but you can get them. You, you can trade a future second or two future seconds to get up those picks. That That's doable in a way that I'm, I'm only talking about first round, like trading up from seven to three in this draft would be a bad idea. Almost certainly. Oh yeah. yeah definitely. All right. Well, uh, I am, uh, we're going to pivot to a, uh, to a good old, a read from our good friends at Postmates. And then we'll come right back and talk some more, but uh, yeah, Postmates, here we go. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a full meal in a 12-pack, sometimes you just need to get what you need delivered and have it delivered fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think, I can think of right to my door. But Postmates does not just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery to. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it, and that feels particularly important to mention right about now. So no more trips to the store, no more late-night fast food runs, just rely on Postmates. Download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get virtually anything you need delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. Just start your free deliveries, download the app, and use and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. 
All right, Zach. Let's talk some NFL. We'll change gears. If people want to log off, they can. Hopefully they won't. But um, people know that I'm a Falcons fan. It's kind of the one team in the city that I have not like formally covered. I have covered the Falcons at different times, but not, not as intently. So I'm allowed to be more of a fan. You are now covering them. You know, I won't say full time, but a lot uh, over at is it uh, Falcons SI? How do you refer to the fact to your to your website right now? Oh, it's called Falcon Report. It is Falcon Report. There you yeah, go. the Sports Illustrated's Atlanta Falcons page, community coverage, etc. I usually leave uh, the Falcons talk to Locked On Falcons and my good friend Aaron Freeman, but we are uh, going to do a little bit of it now. So obviously, the draft. As people listen to this on Wednesday, the draft is going to be Thursday night, so we're getting pretty close here. And uh, before we dig in a little bit, um, it's the most on-brand thing in the world, but there are now widespread reports that the Falcons might, tra- might trade up in the first round because that's all they ever do. Uh, thoughts on the possibility that the Falcons might trade up yet again in the first round? And if they do it, what are they going to be trying to get? Because that's kind of the other thing. Um, so I actually think they should trade up or trade down. Uh, one of our... Riders Brady, uh, Brady Feaster wrote a thing about this. He messaged me about it, and I actually agreed with him that they either need to trade up to like get Okuda, or, or I mean Chase Young is probably gonna cost way too much, or they should just trade down because of the draft after like, I mean you're not taking a quarterback, so like the players they're interested in after like the top five, I just feel like the difference in the guys that are going to go like 14 and the difference to the guys that are going to go like 24 is not that much. So if, if they do want to trade up and they get a, an offer that, you know, they want to do it, I will not kill them for it. As long as they take either chase young, Jeffrey Okuda, Derek Brown or Ken law. I mean, obviously if they trade up to like three and take Ken law or Brown, that's going to be weird. But if, if they trade up to like 10 and get Ken law or Brown, or, I, I think that's worth it. But after a certain point, it's almost like I would want to move down, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, and by the way, the Falcons have the 16th, 47th, 78th picks, and they have two fourth rounders and then no other picks until the seventh round. So that's, you kind of see what, you know, they're already kind of short on capital. Um, and to go from 16, so for instance, to go from 16 up to like five or six in a you know, big swing move to get one of the guys that they want, that's going to cost a lot. I mean, Chase Young is the like obviously the ultimate example of this. That would cost an incredible amount, you would imagine. Um, right. But what are we what, what are we talking about? Like, what's even been like floated out there as a possibility of like what they'd have to give up to go up ten spots? Because ten spots may not seem like a lot, but when you're going from sixteen to five, that's that's kind of a big jump. Well, I think the Falcons are kind of open that they want to add. They obviously want one of the premier defensive players in the first round. They're going to take an interior offensive lineman at some point, whether it's a, a left guard to compete right now or it's a center to groom as Alex Mack finishes up his career, not necessarily this season, but just in general. Um, Alex Mack is a uh, Super Bowl legend. This is a good time for me to do my rant about how Alex Mack should be an absolute hero in Atlanta and because they lost it. Yeah. He's not, but he got, they got, the guy played in a broken leg in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. come on. What are we talking about? It was like over half the game, too. It was insane. Legend. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Alex Mack. Alex, <laughs> Alex Mack forever. But they do have a little weakness on guard. Like, it's just as an overall depth. Yep. And they signed some 
kind of bad contracts that haven't worked out at that position. So I think given all that, just this other stuff they're trying to add, for next year's first-round pick is definitely already involved. And then probably the second next year or the 47 pick at least. I mean, I would imagine the team is going to want something in this draft or it's not going to be worth it for them. So I would imagine the 47 pick and the first-round pick next year is like – and the 16 pick is probably – you know. That's a lot, but it's you're, you're you're right though. I mean, that to go to go up that far, like look at if you look at you know recent draft history, that's probably what it's going to take, and that seems like a lot for a team that has multiple holes. I mean, I know the Falcons are trying to win now, in a big way, and the offense is probably trying. You know, the offense is ready to win now, but you know they have more than one hole. It's not like they only have one hole on defense and they're trading up to fill one hole. Like corner, obviously, pass rush, obviously, um, even linebacker. It's not in the greatest spot right now. Right. They have multiple issues defensively, which is kind of scary. I do have faith that they could find a linebacker, whether an undrafted free agent or trade back into the sixth or seventh round. Like They just seem to have a knack for doing that, whether it's Devontae Campbell or um, guy, I forget how to pronounce the guy's name. Um, Akoi, what's the second linebacker? I'm sorry. Anyway, the second linebacker, they found him really late. If they could find a linebacker late, I don't think they would worry about that, but they really need a lot of stuff like you're saying. So to me, it's only worth it if they go Okuda or Chase Young because everything I've read about Okuda and Chase Young is like they're going to be good as rookies. Yeah. So it's just going to be tough. If it's not one of those guys, like if they trade up all that and they get Ken Law or Brown or CJ Henderson, like all the respects to those guys, they're going to be, you know, good players. Everyone thinks, but like, you just can't give up three potential like key contributors for someone who's not going to be like, you know, like a slam dunk as like an impact yeah. player. It's just a tough sell. I, I think it's obviously Dimitrov's like default to kind of do this. He's done right. it so many times in different ways that I, I get it. And their success stories, obviously the Julio trade worked out very well. I mean, they gave, they gave up a ton and they had to go up a ton, but when you draft, you know, one of the 10 best receivers of all time, it works out for you. Um, but you know, not, not every time, not every time you do this, you, are you going to, are you going to absolutely hit a home run? So it's like, I don't know. It's tough for me just because I, I look at the defensive depth chart and there's just so many holes or at least potential holes that even even if they were to go up and get Young or Okuda, like I would understand it. But given what you have to trade up, those guys aren't going to suddenly make your defense good um, in year one. I know they're going to be really good. I know Chase Young is probably the best player in the draft even. People kind of agree on that. It's just that he's not a quarterback, so he's not going to go number one. Um like he's going to be really good, but, and maybe he would change your defense. I mean, that's definitely possible. I just think it's tough to look at this depth chart and get super excited about it. Even if you add Chase Young to it, <laughs> I don't know. It's tough for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even saying that's what I would do. I'm just saying if you trade up and get Chase Young, then it's not going to be like the end of the world. I feel like it might be, no. but I just feel like at the end of the day, you're going to have Chase Young. And by the way, I would apologize to, the linebacker, I could not remember his name. It's Foisade Olukun. He's a six-round pick in 2018. He's a good player. So if they could find someone like him in the later rounds, maybe they could afford to do something like that, trade up for a big player. But I do agree with you where, like, 
the rest of your draft board is going to be so thin after that that, you know, unless I think the most likely way it could actually happen is if if New York is just set on taking a tackle, offensive tackle, they might actually trade the four pick a little bit under value just so they're not paying a tackle the number four draft slot money. Yeah, and that's possible. Would, I mean, you're definitely going to want to avoid the teams want a quarterback. <laughs> and and they would get – well, that's the thing. If, like, if the Dolphins and Chargers are like, you know, we're not going to trade up. Say Burrow goes one, Young goes two, Okuda goes three. Chargers and Dolphins are not going to trade up to four when they know the Giants are probably not going to take a quarterback. If the Giants are somehow able to convince them they're going to take a quarterback, then – you know, maybe maybe you have to do something, but no, it's so it's if, more that the Giants would convince them that, that they're going to trade to a team that wants a quarterback to go in front right. of them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's people worried about Tua's health, and there's people worried about Herbert, just if he's good. So, it just seems like trading from. It's going to have to be such a big offer. Like Jacksonville at nine, I guess is the first team. Like Carolina is probably not going to move up. Arizona's not going to move up. Cleveland's not going to move up at 10. The Jets are not going to move up at 11. I mean, the Raiders at 12 or the Jags at 9 could move up to 4 and probably offer more than the Falcons. But other than that, it's going to be, I mean, 49ers, Bucks, I guess Denver potentially. But there's really a few teams really that I would think maybe, but it's still going to cost a lot. And I just feel like it'd probably be smarter to just trade back and just add a bunch of guys. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely what I would do. And it seems weird. You know, I, I probably advocate trading down too much in every sport, it seems like. But with the amount of holes they have and kind of like what you alluded to before, like they're kind of in this weird area of the draft where they, they'll get a good they'll get a good player if they stay if they just stay put and draft someone. But there's there could be more value in moving down and getting an extra guy, getting an extra second or an extra third. Um, that would be very helpful to a team that has so many holes and so few picks. So, yeah, I, I think – I guess I'll ask this before we get even further in. If they don't move, what are they looking at in terms of, like, who realistically could be available and who makes sense for them because of all the needs they have? Well, I think Chase on the rusher from LSU has obviously been linked to the Falcons a lot. Javon Kinlaw has been linked to the Falcons a lot. CJ Henderson, if any of those guys look like they're actually going to slip to 16, I, I can actually understand standing there, uh, sitting at 16, especially, you know, if, if other teams are also not really trying to move up, if all the quarterbacks, all the high priority quarterbacks are already gone. Um, but if like Jordan Love slips to 16, it would also be really enticing to just see what someone would offer for that. But Chase on Henderson. Ken Law are definitely the top three guys at 16. And if none of those guys are there, I feel like it's probably a trade out. I mean, maybe Christian Fulton, the corner from LSU. But what, what is what is the what is the move that will drive me the craziest that the, that the Falcons will actually do? And, and by the way, that, have, that has to be an offensive player. So if if there if I wake up Friday morning and I'm furious about what the about what the Falcons did, what's it going to be? Are they going to are they going to draft a receiver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing you'll be furious right? about. Okay, you might not be as furious, but I think the only way the Falcons draft a receiver in the first round is if somehow they could trade back to twenty, still get rugs, and then get you know another pick to take a corner in the third or the fourth. 
I, I don't think that's an extremely defensible move, but I, I could see it's it. It's not, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, if, and by the way, that's too low for rugs too. So that, that's the combination of you traded back and one of the guys fell too far. Like I get it. But even then, honestly, there's so many receivers in this draft that just take the receiver later, take the receiver in the third round. If they want to do that. Yeah, but this one went to Alabama. Uh, that's what I, was gonna, I mean, I uh, I made the joke that probably everybody made about all, when all the reports happened about trading up. I was like, all right, here comes the trade for Jerry Judy because uh, this is what's going to happen. No, I mean, obviously they don't need to do anything at the skill positions in the first round. I do think they probably could take a running back at like the fourth. That wouldn't bother me at all. Um, but other than that, I uh, I would just kind of leave it alone. Yeah, they have a lot. They all have a lot of running backs on the roster. But I actually wrote about that today about Dimitrov is. People criticize him a lot, but one thing he has consistently done is draft productive running backs in the middle of the draft. So I could definitely see him in the fourth round if he has a good evaluation on someone just being too tempted. Like I just because you know he obviously has success with Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Ito Smith. If he sees someone he likes and they're there, I, I definitely agree. Like, well, plus I mean, even if you love Gurley. Uh, I think we probably can all agree he's not going to be an every down player, um, right. at least for 17 games plus. So having some depth there would be not the worst thing. Right. Again, not, not a priority for me at all, but uh, it wouldn't blow me away. If right. I did it. They just have they have three other guys on the roster: Brian Hill, Quadre Austin, and um, Ido Smith. So while none of those guys are like proven, Ido's fine though. Ido can play. I mean, he's okay. Yeah, it's not like those like, guys are bad. That's what I mean. Like, it's not like they're going to be sitting in the fourth round. Like, if we don't get a running back here, like, I think they could add someone <laughs> to the competition, but I don't think it's like I don't think they're going to pass on. You know, he's a, a seventh corner, rounder on a running back, right? If they have a corner with a second round grade that slips in the fourth round, I would hope they would still take the corner. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, if they if they came out and used their first five picks on defense, I wouldn't be upset. By the way, like maybe you want to take a, take, a, take a guard. It'd be the other thing that maybe you want to do there is take take four defensive players and a, and one interior lineman and just yeah. call it a day. Sign me up for that. I mean, and that's what I just said about the corners. Like, there's so many corners in this draft. It's almost bound to happen that someone the Falcons have like a top 60 grade on slips into the third or even the fourth, just because there's too many of like everyone always needs corners, but most teams aren't going to go corner like every pick when they have other needs. Um, so I just, that's why I think it's almost like trading up for anyone and it's going to cost so much to get Okuda, but anyone else, I mean, for all we really know, are they that much better than someone that's going to go like 80th? Like, yeah, no, I, I would be, I am on the, I'll put this on the record now. I am definitely uh, pro not trading up. I, I, I don't want to trade up if I am, uh, if I'm the Falcons, uh, if they do it and, and it nets them young Rakuda, that's different to me. So I, I kind of agree with you on that. I won't be upset if they do that, even though it would take a ridiculous amount. And I think young, young is going to go too. So like getting all the way to two would be, uh, quite a haul. Um, but aside from that, I, I just want them to either stay put or trade or trade down. Cause I am with you. I'm not an expert on this, but from what I have read slash what I've seen, I don't think there is a, a whole reason. And then again, the situation the Falcons are in that we kind of all know don't trade up again. You just don't need to do this. Yeah. And no, I agree. The only defense of it is like, I was reading, I listened to a few podcasts from various people and I was reading pro football focuses draft guide. And like, I don't know. 
if their draft stuff is like shout out to Pro Football Focus, but like I don't know your track record on draft stuff if it's like 100%, but they're evaluating Okuda and Chase Young as like just as good a prospect as Joe Burrow, and they're saying Burrow is the best quarterback they've evaluated since 2014. Like they're saying Okuda and Young are basically like Jalen Ramsey type, like Khalil Mack type, you know, just as soon as they get there, they're going to be maybe the most talented guy on the team. So if that's true and you're like, I want to add that guy to the locker room to play with Julio and Matt Ryan the next three years, I wouldn't do it, but I would be like, all right, like you better be able to plug the holes, but I mean, you got that guy, so. Yeah, I'm with you. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll know more after Thursday. Uh, and we'll uh, kind of re- be able to regroup mentally going into Friday and Saturday. I'm sure you'll be uh, burning the midnight oil Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. No sleep for you for three days or more? Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. <laughs> I am actually I on know. shift we'll for Uprock Sports that night, so I'll be uh, quite busy in my own right, which is uh, yeah. Thursday and Friday, I'm definitely 100% locked in. Saturday, I'm going to hope some other people are available in case I'm, like, subconscious. Completely burnt out by that point? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there, there are more exciting things in the world than rounds four through seven in the NFL draft, I'll be honest with you. Plus, I'll still be watching because get... it's been it, – it was we're all trapped inside, but, yeah. Plus, we just got to get ready for Monday, all that content on the, the big stuff. So, shout out to Rashad Milligan. He, he's going to be around Saturday. Legend, Rashad Milligan, Peachtree Hoops legend. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope that prepares people for what's going to happen. Um, maybe Zach will be right, and uh, the Falcons will trade down and get Henry Ruggs, because you heard it here first on the podcast. Um, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding at all. Because Alabama wide receivers are the only thing that we know about the Falcons. Uh, they're going to have one of them on the roster. Maybe it'll maybe they'll wait till next year and it'll be uh, it'll be Smith after he uh, comes back and sleeps. Pull the Larry Bird. We'll draft him a year early. Draft him a year early. Just just send the card in. I'm um, sorry, you can't you can't draft yeah. him. Okay, that's fine. We'll just we'll just wait. Um, right, anyway. <laughs> uh, all right, Zach. Well, thank you for joining me, my friend. Uh, please plug yourself. You are you are a man of the people. You are everywhere, and uh, particularly right now, as we've been ta- we've been talking about Falcons content is uh, very valuable. So, what you got going on? All right. Well, for Falcons, you well, my personal Twitter account is at zhood underscore. For the Falcons, uh, our you can find us at at Falcons SI. And uh, like you know, Brad was saying, we are the Sports Illustrated Atlanta Falcons community. Our staff. It's all brand new. We took over like February, uh, starting with the Super Bowl, or right after the Super Bowl. I write with Brad at Peachtree Hoops, go to uh, some Hawks games if they start back playing some Hawks games in a few months. Uh, <laughs> nice. with, um, and then I'm doing drafts, NBA drafts at Step Back for our fan side. So it's so, not the funnest of times in basketball, but you know the NFL is going to entertain us for a few days, I guess. Yep, plenty of content to come. Uh, Zach will be back later on in the process. We'll do some actual NBA draft uh, stuff as we've been doing, continuing our uh, sort of series of sorts when we've had people on, uh, and that we will still have people on throughout the summer until we know the actual draft and then even beyond that. So thanks, sir, for joining us. And uh, as, for everybody, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show, and we'll be back again on Friday. Stay tuned for all of that.